hello and welcome to the first official episode of Coffee Nick's Movie Picks, a freshly brewed coffee and movie review podcast for you. I am the titular Nick and I'll be your host and coffee slash movie reviewer today and every day you listen to this podcast. Today we will be discussing Argyle, directed by Matthew Vaughn, and I'll be sharing my thoughts on an espresso cream soda. Please take a seat, stay a while, and let's talk the real Agent Argyle over some coffee. Yeah, yeah. But first, please make sure to follow at CoffeeNicksMoviePicks on Instagram, X, and TikTok. There you can find show updates like new releases, movie and coffee discussions, and much, much more. Again, that's at CoffeeNicksMoviePicks. No spaces, no nothing in that username. Once again, I would like to extend a very warm welcome to everyone tuning in. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you for trusting my reviews. I'm very excited to be starting this podcast, and I hope you all are excited too. In case you missed it, I released a small introductory episode alongside this one, so if you'd like to get to know me or this show a little bit more, I'd recommend starting there. Without any further delay, let's dive right into this episode's coffee pick. Now brewing, we have an espresso cream soda, which I originally tried from a coffee house called Serendipity in Stanton, Virginia. Looking at Serendipity, um, I cannot encourage going there because it looks like they have closed their doors, unfortunately. So if you would like to try the espresso cream soda, then you will have to make it at home. But I recommend visiting Stanton anyways. There are a lot of very nice and delicious coffee shops nearby. Serendipity was lovely. I very much enjoyed it, but it looks like we have to make other plans right now. So the espresso cream soda was very much like a sparkling Americano. So an Americano, if you are not aware, is an espresso with water. So just imagine uh, espresso with sparkling water instead. At Serendipity, though, they actually recommended that instead of sparkling water, I use Coca-Cola. And some of you might be turned away by that, but I thought it was delicious. The Coca-Cola espresso cream soda receives the Nick's pick right away. The idea to combine a sparkling drink with rich, creamy espresso is really brilliant, and I applaud that idea. Making it with sparkling water makes it very light and refreshing, but with Coca-Cola, it made it very rich and like an indulgent little treat. I tried making this one a few times at work and at home, and it's very important to watch the proportions of water that you're using. I think it's always best to go lighter, especially if you do decide to use Coca-Cola. That, you know, is a very sweet, rich flavor, so go a little bit lighter on it. And I think it's very important that this drink gets some vanilla syrup in it. I think if you're just combining espresso and soda or espresso and sparkling water, it doesn't really work. You kind of need that vanilla syrup to connect the two flavors. Otherwise, it's very much just sparkling water and espresso, and it doesn't really, it's not very delicious. For the espresso you're using for this drink, I'd recommend using a more traditional blend, uh, of course, with vanilla syrup, cream, and your choice of sparkling water or Coca-Cola. This is very easy to make, very delicious, and very unique. Make this one to impress your friends, or if you're a barista, use it to impress your customers. But for God's sake, and I'm, 
listen, listen to this. Listen, do not use grapefruit sparkling water. Do not use mixed berry. Do not use, maybe use lemon. That might be all right. Do not use passion fruit, dragon fruit, or really any flavored sparkling water. Just grapefruit and coffee, that combination in my head, that really sends my mind into a spiral and um, like it, it makes me want to gag. I, I don't like the thought of grapefruit and coffee being together. But, you know, maybe you could really make this work. Like I think lemon sparkling water or like strawberry sparkling water and coffee, that that might work. You, you, you could work that out. So my coffee thought today, and I'm adding this little segment, my coffee thought, this is basically just some unrelated thing I would like to talk about. I'd like to talk about the gym, the gym, G-Y-M. This is a place that I do not go to. Um, I There is a community gym in my neighborhood. And uh, one day recently, in the past like week or so, I got off from work early. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with my time? I was like, well, I guess I could go to the gym. I have not been to a gym in years. Uh, you know, I work out elsewhere, outside, I prefer. But I was like, why not? I could get a good workout in. And I, I, the gym is not an enjoyable place to me. And this visit only confirmed that. There are people there at all times of day. It's very crowded and everything. And the vibe was not very friendly. I, I don't know how to use any of those machines. And I'm not going to ask someone. I, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I don't know what they're thinking in their head. So I just went on the treadmill for quite a bit. And I use some of like the more straightforward machines, but free weights, I I tried, but I was so confused. I put those down. But let's talk about gym etiquette. And I really only have one main point to make here. But this this man, he looked like he came to the gym quite frequently. And I respect that. I could never. And he had that big bar that he was lifting and he was in the middle of the gym, not like by the mirrors where like you do the free weight type stuff. He had this big bar and he was standing in the middle around all the machines for some reason. And he looked like a weightlifter uh, because he really, there were a lot of like weights on his, the stick and he had really big muscles. So he must be a weightlifter, right? Um, and he was trying to lift the bar and I, I get it. it's very heavy, like a lot of energy and power has to go into that. But, um, you know, it was very difficult, but he was just moaning so loud. He was lifting. He's like, oh, ah, oh, I don't want to hear that ever. That's enough. If your body is your vocal cords are eliciting that response from lifting those weights, you don't need to be lifting them. You don't. Or you don't need to be lifting them in, in public, where this is a family, this is a family area. This is a community gym. Uh, I mean, there was nothing sexual about this, but it was just disturbing for me. So I'm I'm not going back to the gym. That's my coffee thought today. And the espresso cream soda, especially with Coca-Cola, maybe even some cherry vanilla Coke, that gets the next pick. My coffee thought, is that a segment I should keep? Yes or no? Let me know at Coffee Nick's Movie Picks on Instagram, X, 
and TikTok. Moving on to the main event of today's episode, for today's Now Showing, I'll be reviewing Argyle. Argyle is a 2024 film directed by Matthew Vaughn and starring Bryce Dallas Howard, who plays Ellie Conway, a best-selling author of an espionage book series. Ellie is thrust out of her introverted author lifestyle when she discovers her books predict real-life espionage plots and secrets, which make her a target to multiple spy entities. The bigger the lie, the bigger the... Um... Yeah. Whatever. I will start by saying that I thought this movie was not good. And usually I don't start right away with what, you know, a general thought like that. But I think I have to get that out of the way. This will be a more negative review. I don't want every review I do to be this negative. And I'm really not this negative when it comes to movies. But if you have seen Argyle, I think you will understand um, why I have to preface it with that. Right away, I will say that this is a movie that tries to impress and entertain its audiences solely using an overwhelming amount of cheap and uninspired plot twists, which I will talk more about later. Personally, I feel that this is disrespectful to audiences because we are giving this story and these characters the time of day. Ultimately, we are giving this movie an audience. We are devoting our time to understanding these characters and this story and this message, or lack thereof. So when a film yanks the rug out from under us several times, completely changing the premise of its characters and its story for little to no reason other than to impress us, yeah, I don't think that's right. None of the plot twists in this film served any greater message or purpose from what I could tell. I'm talking very vaguely. I will get into specifics after I start talking about spoilers, but as you can tell, I'm not happy with this movie. I think a lot of the decisions in this movie were actually made with the intention of being, for a lack of a better word, goofy. And I can see why they did that. The campy and gaudy style worked for Kingsman, which Matthew Vaughn, the director, previously worked on that series. So why wouldn't it work here? Well, first of all, Kingsman, from what I understand, I have not watched all of the movies, so don't quote me, does not bait and switch their audiences to the degree that this one, that Argyle does. Kingsman is consistent with its aesthetics and its style and its type of comedy and its action. And Kingsman ultimately tells a story and gives us characters that are more thought out and more interesting, really. I think a lot of the people who went to see this movie were thinking they were going to see a sitcom of sorts. From the trailer alone, all you know is that this story is about an introverted author thrown into a violent and crazy plot of one of her own spy novels. Surprise, surprise, this is not at all what the movie is about. I really think of Don't Worry Darling and how I think that movie also sort of did a bait and switch with its audiences. And, you know, I think it worked out better for that movie. I it. I don't think that movie was great. That could be a whole different review, but I think that had a similar issue to this one where the plot twist was so drastic and so crazy that it completely changed the content of the film. And when this happens, I think that audiences are betrayed in a way. You know, a crazy plot twist, that's okay. And, you know, I really like that sometimes, but it should still work within the context of your story. Think about M. Night Shyamalan, The Sixth Sense. 
and spoilers for the sixth sense if you haven't seen it but i think that's i don't know i feel like everybody listening to this podcast has seen that maybe not though i recommend it off topic but that plot twist in that movie i think works or it does work with the overall story of the movie the plot twist is consistent you can go back and be like yep this checks out and you know it fits within the world of the sixth sense it fits within the world of that story don't worry darling and argyle not so much so i don't like talking vaguely in my reviews so any review that i do if the movie has big spoilers i will usually have the spoilers very early on so with that being said it's time to talk about spoilers as you know this movie is about how ellie's spy books are all actually true she's basically predicting the future with her books and she doesn't know why which that means all of the characters from her books are even represented by real life people so that leaves the question who represents the main character of her stories or as the trailers infamously say, who is the real Agent Argyle? This reveal was heavily teased in the trailer, even with some theories popping up online that the real Agent Argyle would be played by Taylor Swift. And I wish the real Agent Argyle was played by Taylor Swift. I think that would immediately mean that the movie would be more interesting. But that is a testament to the overall vibe that this movie was giving from its trailers. Um, and I, I would agree. I think from the way the trailers looked, I would I would believe that Taylor Swift would play the real Agent Argyle. But like I said, the trailer, I think, was very misleading. So, spoiler, the real Agent Argyle is Ellie, is the author of the books. She is the real Agent Argyle. Ellie Conway is actually Agent R. Kyle, who was severely injured while on a mission. The villains of the film, played by Brian Cranston and Catherine O'Hara, found Ellie after her accident and brainwashed her into thinking that it was an ice skating accident and that she is an author who waits tables and that they are also her parents. So that was also a plot twist that they made where her parents like tried to kill her at one point, but then they like shot the parents and they never really explained it right away, but you found out later why that happened. It, it didn't work well. So Ellie then misinterprets the foggy memories of being a spy that are in her subconscious as ideas for her book series. And she starts writing the books that are actually all true. That's the twist. And for me, from the second that Sam Rockwell's character, Aiden, made a comment earlier in the movies where he said something like, you know, you're not half bad as a spy. I, I kind of figured that that is what the twist was. Speaking more about Sam Rockwell's character, he did fine. Um, there was a point made earlier in the film where it was like, wow, you don't look like the typical spy, which is weird because um, he ends up being like the inspiration in the back of Ellie's mind for Argyle. So he kind of is the stereotypical spy. So that doesn't really work out. But um, my experience watching this, I don't know why I thought this, but I was convinced going into this movie that that was Owen Wilson. I was so distracted and disturbed throughout the movie because I was like, why does Owen Wilson look so different? It's not Owen Wilson. It's Sam Rockwell, but I'm going to call him Owen Wilson just for fun. I think it's because in the trailer, he was like, wow, you're Ellie freaking Conway. And it was just kind of like that Owen Wilson vibe. I don't know. So Owen Wilson, uh, Sam Rockwell is Aiden. That's off topic, though. 
after Ellie finds out that she is the real Agent Argyle. She has some conflict sorting out her identities, but she really moves on very quickly. Her and Aiden, Owen Wilson's character, they go on a mission together and it's immediately like the movie is in spy mode, which I really just think they, whoever made this movie just really wanted to make like an all out spy movie, which didn't really work here. Um, and for the rest of the movie, the characters even dress as their fictional counterparts, which, you know, th that leads to the question, is that how they dressed like back in the day before Ellie had the accident? Did they actually dress like, you know, did Sam Rockwell, Aiden, did he actually have that horrendous Argyle haircut or or what? It, it was just very confusing. In the end, I do not think the film does enough to remedy this change for Ellie. Aiden at one point even calls Ellie's old life or her life as an author pathetic. And, you know, I think in the moment this was just to get a reaction out of her. But they, they don't ever address that again. They don't address Aiden calling Ellie pathetic. Which I think maybe there should have been a moment where Ellie is like, well, you know, the enjoyment I got from being an author, that, that was real. And hey, maybe I am a different person than I was before. Maybe I'm not exactly a spy anymore and that's okay. But there was never a moment like that. The closest thing we got to that was seeing that Ellie did continue to be an author and publish the next book, but there was never a conversation that was had, an epiphany for Ellie, or anything. There was never really any sort of closure we got with Ellie settling the two lives that she's living. It was very much like she does all this spy stuff and then she publishes her last book. I was really craving a moment that was like, Ellie saying that she liked her life as an author, and maybe she did want that. This is why I think that this movie just disrespects its audience and the time that they put into understanding the characters. This movie doesn't even seem to respect its characters. And I think showing Ellie having this epiphany would have made the very lazy and uninspired plot twist more excusable. Let's talk more about the details of the plot twist. They really didn't even find a creative way to show the brainwashing itself. So Catherine O'Hara's character and Brian Cranston's character, like I said, find Ellie in the hospital after this accident. They sneak into her hospital room. The brainwashing, you know, there could be a lot of different ways they could depict this. I think that they chose possibly the least inspired way to do so. So get this. Catherine O'Hara's character pulls out a laptop, places it on Ellie's like hospital lap table, and puts the little like swirly hypnosis thing on the screen. And yeah, just brainwashed her. Which you find out that Catherine O'Hara's character is like this uh, psychiatric researcher and everything. So for her to just pull out a laptop and have the little swirly screen... I was gagged in that theater. I was gagged by that. I was like, there is no way that that's their excuse for the brainwashing. And later on in one of the final scenes, you know, Catherine O'Hara is like the last villain. There's a fight scene. I can't even tell you who is fighting who, but it's Aiden and Ellie versus like some girl, I think. And Catherine O'Hara goes over the loudspeaker. They're fighting on a boat, this huge boat. And Catherine O'Hara goes over the loudspeaker and literally uses sleeper agent activation words to get Ellie to start fighting Aiden. 
So she's over the loudspeaker, and you know Catherine O'Hara. She's like, Gamma, Delta, Beta, Omicron, Rho, Zeta. Like, um, yeah. So, you know, not only is she brainwashed, she's a sleeper agent. And that is unaddressed as well. She also brainwashed her and like she's a sleeper agent and her activation thing is like those words, but also a music box. So Aiden like breaks the he throws the music box on the ground and snaps Ellie out of it because apparently it was like a magic music box um, with like a spell on it that just magically woke her up. Or maybe it was the music. I don't know. I don't think any of this is scientific, so I should not read too much into it. So not even the details of the plot twist, let alone the revelation of that plot twist, which, you know, keep in mind, the plot twist was the most enticing item of this movie. None of that was done anywhere near well. Next, I want to talk about the romance of this movie. Yes, this movie has romance. Why is it there? I don't know. Maybe because there's a female lead and people can't help but throwing a female lead into a romance. You know, if this movie was male-led, maybe there wouldn't be a romance, but that's beyond me, I guess. Ellie, from the start of the movie, is depicted as someone who prioritizes her work over her desire to find a relationship. And that's something that doesn't really change even after Ellie learns the truth about her identity and her history. Even before the brainwashing, Ellie was still very career-focused and was regarded as an exceptional spy. There's a reason why Catherine O'Hara's character was so keen on capturing her. About half of this movie is about Ellie trying to escape this spy lifestyle that she finds herself thrown into. After she learns the truth, it's about her navigating these conflicting identities that she has. So, where in this movie... Was there anything about a romance? Was there anything suggesting a romance? Maybe just because Ellie is a woman and her partner Aiden is a man, they just felt they had to put them together, which that drives me insane. So because, you know, half the movie is about her escaping the spy lifestyle and the other half is about her navigating her identities, why is the ending for Ellie's character romance? Did the creators of this movie watch the blockbuster film Barbie this summer? It seems like they didn't. And I know that it the film really ends with Ellie going on to publish her next book, but why was romance even a necessary part of this ending? Why was it a necessary part of this story? Ellie and, you know, her supposed love interest Aiden really did not have any sort of chemistry to warrant a romance. So why? It was very out of place and, again, not right for Ellie's character or this movie. I think the movie even knew this romance wasn't right because there is literally a montage of Ellie and Aiden, you know, just interacting throughout the film as the two kiss at the end of the film. You know, I think this is trying to convince audiences that, yes, they spent time together, they love each other, but... You know, even the mon in the montage, it's just them like laughing together and, you know, it plays like slow music. It's as corny and cliche as you can imagine. And my thoughts on montage is you should not have to use a montage to remind your audience of something that happened in the movie they are watching. 
montages like that that are kind of like catching them up on something i think that should only happen in movies that span or stories that span multiple movies why am i watching something i just watched 30 minutes ago instead you should be making moments and scenes that are very memorable and that you know i'll think of by myself when they kiss not i'm forced to think about it as they kiss you know you feel yeah yeah so as i was saying they had this fight on the boat the boat explodes you know but aiden and ellie and some other girl that is another thing they get away from the exploding boat and as they ride away it cuts to henry cavill and john cena's characters on the boat in ellie and aiden's places because you know those two are the fictional argyle characters representing them in ellie's story and you know on the boat ellie and aiden are kissing and then it cuts to henry cavill and john cena just standing there why are they not kissing they're representing ellie and aiden so they should be kissing give us henry cavill and john cena kissing now and not that i wanted ellie and aiden to be kissing but you know if they were gonna do it they might as well gone all the way and committed to it they they copped out they copped out and that is really unfortunate because i think that would have been a good moment it would have been memorable but instead it's not memorable and really nothing in this movie is memorable i you know i had a really hard time writing like my talking points for this movie because i really don't remember too much but i'm trying to piece it together because um, there are moments that really stuck out to me in a bad way. Speaking of Henry Cavill, the hair, first of all, was atrocious. But I think that's been talked about and said enough. Throughout the movie, Ellie would see visions of Henry Cavill's character, who, again, plays the fictional Agent Argyle. And I guess this is meant to symbolize Ellie being Argyle, but... Every time it would show these visions, it would do so just using a POV shot from Ellie's perspective. Once again, it's just very, it's a very lazy way to depict this connection. Why in the year 2024 are we using POV shots like that? I, I don't know. The POV shots, not, not only were, were there POV shots, but they would even show ellie's eyelids blinking over the camera lens and it did that so many times you would see like her big eyelashes like beating over the camera lens and it was just so it was so corny it was so corny to me this just breaks several rules of cinema i you know i know pov shots have been used many and many and many times before but they, I, I don't like them. I never do. And right away, I, and they make me upset because the camera to me, the camera is us. The camera represents us being there with those characters. So to like kind of break that rule and have us now see through the eyes of a character, it doesn't really work for me. And it, it's disorienting in a way. Um, I know that's probably like a little dramatic, but that's just how I feel. And it's lazy. It's lazy. They could have done like a really, they could have had a really cool way to show Ellie and Argyle's connection rather than 
that, you know, she looks in a mirror with her big ass eyelashes, you know, like beating over the um, camera lens and we see Henry Cavill. No, I think there was a much cooler way to show this. You know, I even think of uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi with Kylo Ren and Rey and how their connection was represented cinematically. And that that is amazing. You know, I think that was a stellar way to represent the connection of those characters. So why didn't we do something like that? We had the budget for it. We had the actors for it. We had a director who's done stuff like that before. What happened? So there's there's all of this, everything I've discussed so far. Other than all of this, I think that when the film wanted to be funny or eccentric, it was just weird and uncomfortable. There was a scene where Ellie and Aiden fight their way through a mob by dancing. There's a scene where Ellie ice skates on pools of oil to knife enemies because they don't want to shoot their guns because it would blow up the oil. Um, you know, and because apparently when Ellie was brainwashed into thinking that she was a skater, that was something that was conveniently true about her past life. So she was like, go ahead, stick some knives in your combat boots and skate on that pool of oil. That's how that works. That's how we do things. That makes sense. You know, I, I know that was obviously meant to be campy, but no one was laughing. No one. Everything in this movie was just made out to be a plot twist also, which when there's so many plot twists in a movie, I personally get tired. You know, when Catherine O'Hara and Brian Cranston, you know, like I said, also brainwashed Ellie into thinking that they were her parents. So, you know, it was a plot twist when they all of a sudden were trying to kill her and Aiden like shot Catherine O'Hara. And then there was at one point like Aiden potentially like couldn't be trusted and Ellie was freaking out. And that's what got her to go back to her quote unquote parents. And it was it was just too much. And when there are so many plot twists that really don't mean anything or don't result in anything, I get tired. Overall, to speak kind of like larger than just this movie, this Watching this filled me with such despair like I have never felt while watching a movie. I, walking out of the theater, I lost hope in movies. I was so disappointed because I think this movie just speaks to a larger issue with these like super high budget movies that are trying to be like crowd pleasers, which that's fine. That's worked before. But I think. What really bothered me was that they are putting all their eggs into one basket, and that basket is the plot twist. And I think that some writers, some film writers, they think that all audiences want now are the plot twist. They want those shocking moments. And I think that's like kind of a consequence from these Marvel movies. And, you know, those most times are warranted because these are characters that people have known their whole lives. And, you know, they've been in movies spanning all these years. Some movies want to capitalize on this shock value and it's just stupid. And there's no depth to these shocking moments, or at least in this movie, there aren't. That's just about everything I have to say about this movie. And I promise it wasn't all bad. The opening sequence of the film shows us a scene from Ellie's latest Argyle book uh, with Henry Cavill, John Cena, and Dula Peep. 
And that was enjoyable. Uh, the camp and the corniness, it worked here. It was, you know, turned to 1000. I feel like they really committed to the corniness. And there's a moment where I believe they CGI animated Dula Peep riding a CGI motorcycle in front of a horrible green screen. But I might have imagined that. Either way, I, I was living for it. I really wish they found a way to incorporate Dula Peep into the story more, but seeing how the story turned out, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't. Before the big twist in the film, people in my theater seemed to be possibly enjoying themselves. There were maybe like, you know, two or three moments where I heard a chuckle, but thinking back, it might have also been a cough. I, I don't know, but I, I think people were maybe enjoying seeing this introverted, cat-loving author be thrown into this situation where, you know, she's forced to be a spy. So that makes me wonder what people think of the twist. Was it a letdown for those people that were enjoying the movie? Do you think it worked? Would you say this movie was more or less enjoyable after the plot twist? You can let me know at Coffee Nick's Movie Picks on social media. I also wanted to include a small review from my friend Max, who is also an avid film lover and critic. His review, quote, I can't believe I watched that sober. Thank you, Max, for sharing your opinion with the show. I can't believe I did either. In his Letterboxd review, Max also shared, quote, Moral of the story is never doubt Nick when he tells you a movie is shit. End quote. What I'm hearing is, is that I just got my first endorsement as a movie reviewer. So thank you, Max, for that. But yeah, that's my review on Argyle. With that being said, Argyle gets the Knicks, Knicks. While the movie has a fun premise and enticing twist that will ultimately get people seated in the theater, Argyle feels like a bait and switch that doesn't care about its characters or original appeal. What can we learn from this movie? Well, we can definitely learn who the real Agent Argyle is. And that's enough. I just want to end by saying thank you so much for tuning into this premiere episode of Coffee Nick's Movie Picks. If you like what you heard, please be sure to give the show a five-star rating and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow the show on social media and share the show with your friends. I would greatly appreciate it. I had so much fun today, and I can't wait to do this again. Until next time, I think it's time for you to meet the real Agent Argyle. Thanks again for listening to Coffee Nick's Movie Picks. Our opening theme is Summer Solstice on the June Planet by Bail Bonds. Our closing theme is I Feel It All So Deeply also by Bail Bonds. Before you go, don't forget to give Coffee Nick's Movie Picks the Nick's Pick by subscribing and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can follow Coffee Nick's Movie Picks on Instagram, X, and TikTok at Coffee Nick's Movie Picks. Again, that's at Coffee Nick's Movie Picks. Thank you.